podcast. I am your host, Nathan Alford, an alumni graduate back in 2011. Oh, yeah. Let's jump right into things. This will be a podcast for current student body and alumni. Our focus will be Bullpup Athletics. My goal is to follow one sports team each of the three sports seasons. I will have weekly interviews for you guys with coaching staff and post-game recaps and reflections. So my plan right now is football in the fall, basketball in the winter, and soccer, baseball in the spring. In addition to that, though, I'll be looking to have coaching profile interviews for all sports. That way, everyone gets some love. That'll get you updates on upcoming seasons and current performances while they're in season. Now, from time to time, I will have special episodes with teachers and alumni to talk about the trials and tribulations of their athletic careers and journey with Gonzaga Prep. Today's episode will include an interview on the front end with Coach Dave McKenna, and then the back end will be a uh, sit-down and reflection between myself and my dad, actually. Enjoy. Our first ever guest on the Pup Sports Podcast is Coach Dave McKenna. He's been the head coach here for the last 11 years at Gonzaga Prep High School and a state champion back in 2015. Coach, I appreciate you joining me today. Does it ever get old hearing that? Uh, no, it doesn't. 2015 was a pretty special year. It's great. Appreciate uh, you having me, first of all. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's been almost 10 years since I've walked the prep hallways, and I've noticed some amazing changes to the athletic school wing. Um, what? When was that upgrade made? Uh, they finished it uh, just over a year ago, um, and so it's been an ongoing capital campaign that we did, and, and they just finished it up. Uh, they're still putting finishing touches on everything, but it's an amazing facility. Uh, State-of-the-art for high school. Uh, I would recommend it or uh, say that it's probably one of the best in the, in the state, um, if not the best in the state. The space uh, that we have in our weight room is unreal. Uh, the team rooms, uh, classrooms. And then our, our stadium is, is top-notch as well. Yeah, just walking down the hallway, it's awesome to walk by that weight room and be able to look inside and see your boys working hard, you know, here in July, which is great. Oh, it's awesome. It's fun. They Actually, you know, we get quite a few kids here in the summer, and, and uh, we have great strength coaches in there, uh, put them in through the strength portion of it and also conditioning. Um, they also do it for the young ladies in the school. And so the, early in the morning, the ladies are here doing the same thing. And, and so it's not just a football facility. It's for all athletes, and that's what uh, I think separates us as well. Great. That kind of brings me to my first point. So after being a head coach now for 11 years, um, what is your main goal when you go into Border League in your summer program? Uh, really truly to find depth. Uh, we're, you know, we, we try to, one, stay healthy, and then two, try to find depth. We have an idea who's going to play where. We've seen them, uh, but you got to look at the young kids and see what they can do, and you know how well can they compete against uh, the older kids. And then, um, so we try to find depth, and then we try to stay healthy. That's really ultimately what we do, and it's a great four-day camp that we bang, and and I get better. That's great. That really is. Now, through that process, uh, did you find any team leaders emerge in that time? Oh, our seniors. You know, we have a few really good senior leadership. Uh, not, we don't have a lot of kids. Our numbers are down. Uh, 10th through 12th grade, uh, but the kids we have are awesome to coach. They're, they're a lot of fun to be around, and, and uh, as a coach, that's what you, you hope to have, uh, kids that are coachable, kids fun, fun kids to be around. And so uh, we had some seniors really emerge, 
uh, both on both sides of the football. Um, and so that was really, really uh, pleasant to see. We had some young kids step up as well, so that's also a, a real positive. As I tell our kids going into border camp, we, we don't, you don't win camp. It's not like you're going to go and win a big trophy here. You know, we, we, we worry about what we do and how we, how we do things and, and consider prep football getting better. And uh, we definitely did do that this year. That really is great. And, you know, that kind of makes me think of um, what are some off-the-field things that come from that camp experience? Oh, just uh, the, the grind of it is always tough. Um, and so the kids get tired. Uh, we've cut back significantly than what we used to do. Um, and that's really two-part. One, because I don't think we got any better when we, we, we pushed them so hard. Two, is uh, trying to protect our, our game of football, trying to be smart about it. Um, kids don't need to bang all that much to get better. Uh, and that's a philosophy I have. So I don't, I'm not saying that those teams that bang more are, are any worse off or better off. That's, that's, I, do, I worry about what we do here at prep. Um, but that's, that's kind of why we, we, we step back a little bit at border camp. Um, but then we also do a July camp that we've, we've now postponed to August because of so many kids are going to be gone uh, due to other sports. That's a whole other conversation um, in a real positive way. Multi-sport kids are awesome. But uh, we postpone that camp to August. But we usually do some community service and, and get out in the community and let our kids see uh, a few different things. So do you have something lined up for your guys' community yeah. service? Yeah, so we'll, well, we work with Catholic Charities. And so we'll go uh, clean, do yard work at different apartment buildings. We go and play with kids. Uh, we go to house charity, serve lunch or dinner, uh, wherever we can go to, to help out our community and let our kids see that service is, uh, I think, the greatest form of leadership is service. And so if we want to help create young leaders uh, in our country, then we've got to learn how to serve. And I think that's really great because even back when, you know, I was a student here, a student athlete here, you know, that community service was rich in your program and you know much hasn't changed i think that's awesome it hasn't uh it's built into our school it's what saint ignatius and gonzaga prep promotes and again i go back to the leadership thing i think the highest form of leadership is service and I, you know that's why i think people that are in our military are unbelievable and people that work in our uh other emergency services police officers firefighters all those it's that's a huge form of leadership and i think uh, we got to teach our young people to do that yeah Absolutely. Now, you became the head coach back in 2008 when you took over for Dave Carson. For those of us, like myself, who have been away from the Bullpup program for roughly 10 years, a time early in your head coaching career, how have you evolved as a coach? Oh, um, <clears throat> truly, I, I, I probably a lot more ways than I even can recognize myself. Um, I think that the, the main thing that I have grown to appreciate is more the kids play multi-sports and understanding that they are committed to many things and commitment is different for me in terms of sports um be, because a, uh, an athlete chooses to go to a baseball game doesn't mean he's more committed to baseball than he is football and early in my career i would just i would have disagreed with that um they're pulled in so many different directions, um, and I don't think it's a lack of commitment. It's, I think, a, a strong desire to want to please people, and I think it's a desire to want to be a better baseball player, a better football player. Um, and so I, I, I've, I think I've recognized that more as I, and understand that and don't want to put pressure on kids. I've grown as a coach that way to understand that uh, it's not all about football. Um, there's much more to it than that. And so uh, I've grown that way. I think... Uh, um, the idea of recognizing that every football player that walks all the Gonzaga prep is going to be a Division One athlete, um, 
nor do they desire to be a Division One athlete. And uh, but they can still have an awesome experience playing Gonzaga Prep football. And so I think I've uh, embraced that. Um, I have come to appreciate uh, assistant coaches and what they do. Um, I was an assistant coach once, and 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 so I I, I thought I understood what. I was doing to help the head coach um, and help the Gonzaga pro- program, but I just uh, I got coaches that are amazing that do amazing things and, and uh, they give of their time. Again, it's service, and I don't think people see that coaching f- high school football is a service, but they're not paid to do what they do, and uh, they do it because they love the kids, they love the game, but truly, the guys here they love our kids. Um, they're f- it's fun to be around, and so uh, I've come to embrace that. That that uh, and appreciate it, not just embrace, but appreciate it, um, and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, no, that's great, and it speaks to my experience here as a player and as a student. That I think I left um, what you would probably classify as a, a better man. And so, my question to you in that regard is, what's your goal for every young man that comes through that locker room? That that they leave a better person. That they recognize things in their world that are that uh, maybe they didn't appreciate. Um, really, we focus on gratitude, living a, a grateful life. Um, things that we have. Uh, we're all born in different families. Uh, we have different backgrounds. We have different experiences. But I think we could we all have a common bond and be grateful for the things that we do have, whether they're big or small. Um, and we preach gratitude. Uh, what are you grateful for? And. Uh, and so I, I, if, they, if they can learn to, to uh, approach life with a grateful attitude, um, that's what we're, one of the things I strive for. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that that's a great point. And, you know, I look back at my four-year experience here as, you know, a place of home and a sense of community. And as I come back, it's grateful for everything that I was given and relationships I had. And, um, you know, even in hearing news of, you know, certain successes or even tragedies, I mean, it it hits home definitely with, uh, you know, the environment here that PrEP has built for me. Um, So in, uh, in curiosity, so Gonzaga PrEP, has seen many great student athletes. You know, I want to emphasize student athletes walk the prep hallways and go on to collegiate careers. Um, who are some recent athletes that come to mind? Um, Bishop Sankey being one. Um, you know, he, he worked extremely hard academically here at Gonzaga Prep. It's very, very challenging for him. And went over and had an amazing career at University of Washington, um, both academically and athletically. And a second-round draft pick. Uh, Tennessee, who I was I had an opportunity to go back and watch him play when he was at Tennessee, it was a wonderful experience. Um, but he he was on their their big dog board over there, whatever they call it for grades. Um, another one, Devin Culp, uh, who's over at UW right now, is also one of their top uh, GPA um, athletes in their football program. And uh, Evan Weaver, who's down at University of California, doing amazing things and. Uh, John Perkles at Idaho State doing wonderful, uh, both academically and, and athletically. Uh, so those are just some names. There's so many guys that we've coached that have gone on to play at, you know, uh, Armani Marsh, Washington State, doing very well. Uh, walked on down there and I was doing very, very well. So I, I, the list could go on and on. I hate leaving people out. But those are just some of the names of guys that come to the top of my head uh, that, are, that were great 
uh, academic students. Uh, they did very well, and, and they were challenged and responded to that. And so I think that's very, very important. Do you still keep in touch with those guys? I do. I, you know, I try to, you know, at least start of the seasons and whatnot. Guys that are still playing, whether it, uh, you know, we had Dylan McGillip at, at, at Whitworth doing well. Uh, I try to shoot them texts, you know, hey, good luck. You know, fall ball starting. And, and I try to. Some guys I see more often than others because uh, they still have siblings in our program. Or, um, again, they come back to use our weight room. Uh, they, it, it, but there's there's kids that also don't play that I stay in touch with that it's it's uh, you know you, you said the word relationship and and I tell you that's it's all about relationship I think human life is about relationships and and, and the bond we make as human to human and um, and so football is an avenue to do that and uh, so the relationships go way beyond the football field and I think so I stay in touch with a lot of people uh, even having you reach out man what a, what a great thing um, and we, we, we sat in my office not too long ago a couple of years ago and we talked and, and got caught up and and uh, that's important to me and I actually had a coach here in the building one day say um, gosh Mac it's really cool that former players come back to visit you and it, 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 I took it for granted I wasn't grateful for that and I've realized over time that you should be grateful for those things because I don't think that happens everywhere. Um, I think it happens in very, very, very few places. Our culture here is different, and it's because it's a human-human relationship. It's not about what can you do for me. It's about what do we do for each other and with each other. Um, and I think that's what so that separates us. Um, so relationship is, is key. So to keep, go back to the topic is, yeah, I stay in touch with those kids as best I can. No, that's really great. And, you know, it's been amazing just to be able to kind of begin this podcast road and um, have you be able to kind of sit down with me and say, absolutely, 100%, I'd love to be a part of it. And, you know, what do you need from me? And so uh, I just want to thank you uh, for taking the time today to be able to kind of just answer a few questions and, you know, kind of make this thing you know, this dream kind of come true. So I really love appreciate it, your time. Man. It's good. good. Follow your passions, man, your desires, and we all should help each other do that. Hey, thank you so much. That was Coach Dave McKenna joining me. I want to thank him for being a part of the program and kicking this off. Uh, now I want to shift gears toward uh, bringing in my dad to uh, introduce him as a co-host that will be joining the Pup Sports Podcast. Uh, he is, uh, first off, his name is Scott Alford. Uh, he's been in and around coaching his entire life, uh, spanning 33 years, uh, which 10 of those he spent coaching in the GSL. And then eight of those he actually spent coaching at prep uh, with Dave as an assistant and then ultimately when Dave made the transition to head coach. So, Scott, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure to be here, Nate, and uh, discuss bullpup football. Yeah, we like that. Uh, so, you know, big thing for me, my first uh, impressions and first interview, kind of getting the swing of things. So what, I, what I'd love to hear is what were some of your takeaways from the interview with Mac? Well, I think, I think Coach McKenna has done a great job at prep taking over um, a difficult job, which I think a lot of people don't appreciate. Hold on there. Can we silence our cell phone? I mean, we're, come on, we're doing this podcast here, and you're getting text messages right in the middle well, of this. Well, Nate, when you're popular, you're popular. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I, think that, <clears throat> I think that Dave's done a heck of a job at, at Gonzaga Prep. Um, Gonzaga Prep is a unique place to coach. Uh, they have a very rich tradition there. And 
to carry on that tradition is not an easy thing. You see it not only at the high school level, but you see it in the college level as well. Um, he and to to carry on that tradition and yet make it your own is a very unique skill. A lot of coaches don't have. You know, I just wanted to jump in there real fast that, you know, in my experience, you know, I went away from Spokane for about six years and spent time in Arizona, Florida, and California. And I found it really hard to find a program, find a school that had more of that prep mentality that I really think is one of a kind that I didn't want to cut you off too soon, but that popped in my head and I just wanted to be able to say that. Uh, yeah, don't cut me off again. But I would say uh, that having having the ability to take a tradition that's very deep, very rich, and put your own stamp on it, which Dave has done, um, is he, he should be really commended for that. Um, Dave's a different type of coach than a lot of coaches. I coached with him. I know. I, I, I knew him pretty well. Uh, I knew his family. Um, you know, I, I don't coach there anymore, so I'm not as close to him as I used to be. Uh, but I follow him, and we have contact once in a while. Uh, I, I kind of follow prep from afar now. Um, you try to follow it as a fan, but once you're, you've coached for as long as I did coach, you watch every game as a coach. Your eyes change, if you will, <laughs> and you watch a game as a coach. But that being said, I think what Dave has done with the tradition at prep, I think he has made it his own. One of the things that I took away from Gonzaga Prep that all great programs have, and they certainly have it there, is expectations. There is an expectation, not just of winning. Of course you want to win, and winning is important. It's the expectation of building the complete player. That's that is a very big thing at Gonzaga Prep. A lot of schools say that, and a lot of schools fail at that miserably, um, because there's for reasons that go far beyond what we could cover in a podcast. I'll just say which you guys referred uh, reference to when when Coach uh, McKenna was speaking, and you brought it up as well. The complete man, the complete player, the complete person. I think it was evident from from Max's interview. His care goes beyond a uniform. It, it, he really cares about the person. Uh, obviously, there's a spiritual component because Gonzaga Prep is a Jesuit school. It's a Catholic school. And although they don't hammer the kids with religion, they try to kind of integrate religious principles in their daily life. Um, and so that, that's definitely a part of the expectation there. The community service, it's a big thing. And the fact that kids are exposed to things they otherwise wouldn't be exposed to at prep in regard to community service, working with the poor, less fortunate, the elderly, uh, providing some relief to a family uh, who needs food, for instance, those kinds of things. That go, that transcends way beyond the football field. That is a unique thing to Gonzaga Prep. Um, and I can tell you that Dave McKenna, as a man, is very committed to that. Always has been. It's genuine. It's not. He's not just towing the company line. Well, of course I have to say that. I coach at Prep. Um, 
Dave, Dave's not that way. I I've, I know him well enough to tell you that. Yeah, no, I feel like when I when I sat down with him and had the ability to first come to him and say, hey, coach, what do you think about this? His energy, his enthusiasm, even you commented when we were looking, uh, listening to the interview after the fact, you know, a lot of guys could just go, yeah, we do some community service here. He expanded on it. He, you know, explained the relationship with Catholic Charities. Um, all of that, he expanded into all of that. And then, you know, even to the point where we finished recording, he brought me around. You know, we ran into some teachers around the school. You know, wanted me to introduce me to the, the marketing uh, professionals for the school. I mean, it, he let me follow him around. It wasn't the kind of thing of, hey, you got your little podcast done. You know, I, I got other work to do. It was... Hey, what else can I do for you, man? You know, I, I I want to make you successful. I still believe that at 27 years old, he still wants to see me successful, just as if, you know, I'm I'm still a senior at Gonzaga Prep. Pretty cool. And that, yeah, I agree with all of that. And that's <clears throat> that's not to say that other coaches before before Mac didn't have those same feelings. Um, Coach Carson, um, people before him. The, <clears throat> You can't coach there unless you buy into that. But I will say this about, <clears throat> about Coach McKenna. When I coached with him early on, my first few years at prep, um, I think Dave had aspirations to be a head coach for a very long time, as most assistant coaches do. And I think he was already formulating in his mind, if I get a shot, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring these principles with me because I believe you can still do this and you can still win. Um, so I think I think he is to be given a, a tremendous amount of credit for being able to do that. Uh, one of the things that I think is, again, unique to prep, not just prep, but so I should say a program like Gonzaga Prep, the experience of playing football at Gonzaga Prep is in and of itself a valuable experience. He mentioned earlier in his interview, he talked about kids coming in, D1 scholarships, uh, you know, going on to bigger, better things. Of course, some kids have those dreams, but the focus is, no, this is the experience. Enjoy your time here because these are the memories you're going to walk away with these are the friendships that many of them will last a lifetime. I think that there's an emphasis on that, which I think is, is great. Um, yeah, you know, when I, I think back to my career at prep, you know, it was no secret. We didn't throw the ball a lot. I mean, we had the best running back in the entire state. I mean, Bishop obviously went on to Utah. We heard Mac talk about that. But it was the expectation this is how we're going to be successful as a team. This is how we're going to be able to, um, you know, go far as a team. And it was just utter belief into that because of the fact that he allowed you to believe into the team concept. It wasn't about, not, hey, when am I going to get thrown the football? And that's not an easy thing to do, particularly with today's athlete, today's high school, junior high athletes. Um, the AAU mentality, and we can put it right there, um, of... It's about my stats. It's about how I'm doing. It's about, you know, what's best for me. To get kids into your program and, and be able to establish with them, the team concept is more important than the I concept. 
he's done an, him and his staff have done a fantastic job with that. Um, having coached there, I can tell you the emphasis is always on the team. And if you can't do that, you're not going to succeed there. Um, and there have been players who've left prep because of that. He even talked about that there's been guys that he's not necessarily said um, don't come to prep, but he has said to them, if all you're coming to prep for is for football, you're coming for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and, and he's left it at that, and he's and he's missed out on some great athletes that have been in and around. And GSL. I can tell you, in, in in every good coach, there's a little paranoia. That takes a lot of guts to be able to say that. But again, I think it speaks to his integrity of the program and his staff. Um, you know, and the fact that's probably another thing I think that um, is a big check mark in the plus column for prep stability. Their staff. Every staff has changes, uh, especially now in today's football culture. You're lucky if you have maybe two or three on-staff coaches that teach there. You have a lot of walk-ons, and that that changed football 20 years ago. Um, the same is true today. Uh, stipends have been reduced. You got to split stipends between coaches, but. One thing that, that uh, Coach McKenna has been able to do there is, for the most part, keep a lot of his staff intact. Stability is huge in creating a winning program. Dave's been able to do that. Uh, some people might not like that because they don't, they've got a problem with a, an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, or even Mac. But that, that's a personal preference. Um, I'm just telling you as a coach, as an objective, uh, 30,000 view, you know, 30,000 foot view looking down, stability is a huge thing in a staff. Yeah, because, no. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got core guys still there. I mean, HT is still on the defensive side. He's still the D coordinator. Right. Coach Black, who started out there as a special teams guy, is, is still on the defensive side of the ball. And by the way, I think if you listen, you can hear Coach Black yelling, punt team, right? <laughs> But, <laughs> and I think it, and I think it's second down too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now uh, and then, if you look in the offense side of the ball, I mean, Bob Casano's been there as yep. the OC. Right. You of course have C Dub, you know, right there helping him out there with the O line, and then um, Nate Graham. I mean, Nate Graham has been a guy that I had the privilege of when I first came to prep and you know played on the varsity varsity level. Nate got his start. And now he's still there, and you know, and having conversations with Mac, it's it's been awesome to see him grow. And I think we're even kind of seeing Prep's offense kind of evolve a little bit. And I think Nate has a lot to do with that. So I mean, it's but it's what's cool is you only get that when you get guys to stay for prolonged periods of time because it's not about coming in and changing things that Prep has done right. for many years. It's come in and slowly evolve what has worked for so many years. And I, and I, I agree with that. Um, one thing, having coached with Bob uh, Cassano, for instance, you may disagree with his philosophy. That's fine. Um, you know, you're never going to get everybody to... If somebody threw the ball all the time, it would see, it, it, there would be, where's the running game? Mm-hmm. We're not balanced. <laughs> um, so that putting that aside, one thing I could tell you about Coach Cassano... He firmly believes in what he does. That transcends to the kids. Um, you mentioned Nate Graham. I was there when, when Nate came on to the staff. Um, 
as the passing coordinator, he might have had the easiest job in the GSL <laughs> coaching and prep. Uh, <laughs> uh, but one thing about, about Nate, tremendous amount of knowledge about the game, not just the passing game, but being a former quarterback that he, that he was or that he is, uh, great knowledge of the game. And, and to come into prep and uh, kind of immerse himself the way that he did, I think you saw that paying off as the years have gone, have gone by. And he's still there. And Bob is still there. HT came back. He was there. Then he left. Then he came back. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen very often. And I think that's a tribute, again, it all goes back to the head guy. If you're going to blame the head guy for when things go bad, you've got to give him credit when things are good. Um, so I think his ability to keep, to keep stability on his staff in, within the, the confines of Gonzaga Prep um, is a big key to their success. And I don't see that changing. I mean, when you coach in the GSL, I can tell you that the, to, to pull the curtain back a little bit from those, of, those people that don't coach, Within the coaching ranks, you look at the schedule and everybody knows, okay, well, prep's going to get six or seven wins just because they're prep. That's a common belief. That is directly a remark and an attitude about their program in general. And they're usually right. I can't think of the last year prep won less than seven games. You know, um, of course, if you talk to Coach McKenna, Every game's a nail biter up until kickoff, and oh my gosh, we might. Holy smokes, man! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, things are getting tight. <laughs> um, yeah, but you're playing a team you're going to beat by thirty, and you know it because you've seen them on film. But that approach, though, um, is part of that whole expectation of the program. They don't take anybody for granted. Um, they prepare well. Their coaching staff prepares very well. They do a lot of studying, um, all, and again, all within the confines of where does football fit in, in the student-athlete's life. So I think, that's, I think that's key to their whole program. Um, all those things we were talking about, the tradition, the expectations, the experience itself at prep, the stability of the staff and the program. And then, of course, as a foundation, I would say their community. There's just sense of community there. There's a, there's a saying, I'm, I'm not, certainly not the, the originator of this, but there's something about a Catholic school student, athlete. There's just something about it. As somebody that's coached in public and private schools, I can tell you that's absolutely true. It's very hard to put your finger on it, but there's a... There's a look in the eye. There is an attitude. There is a certain thing about a kid, whether it's whether it's a female or male, that went through that Catholic school experience. They're different, um, and I think that that all comes together, um, and we can we all get to witness it on a Friday night, which is awesome because I love football. Football uh, brings communities together, and I know a lot of people give it a bad rap. It's all about football. Um, well, obviously, it's not all about football, but then again, you don't get two thousand people at you know the volleyball game, at the soccer game. You can at a football game um, because there's something special about Friday nights, and that doesn't mean the other sports aren't important. They are. They clearly are. 
Um, well, just look at Joe Stadium. I mean, that, that stadium has continued to hold on from that aspect. You know, you have people that have been, you know, yeah. good old boys in Spokane that don't want to see that stadium go away because of the fact that, hey, yes. they know Fridays in the fall, that, that's gonna, that place is going to be relatively full. The fact that people are still willing to go out to that stadium, which is garbage, <laughs> and watch a football game on a Friday night... Uh, speaks more about football than it does that facility because that facility is a dump. And anyone who's ever coached there or maybe even played there knows that. But the city of Spokane, which is a whole other show, but, you know, they, they, they don't see the value in creating a sports complex that, that the kids are worthy of, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Um, and that's but, just one man's opinion. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, you know, all that aside, um, and especially now that Prep has their own football facility. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's it's been a little bit since you've been there, but re- really, when I got to walk in, look at the weight room, tour the facilities after they've gone through their most recent remodeling, I mean, it's it really is immaculate. I mean, they they contend with. And I would say are above any school in the GSL from that aspect. I mean, the weight room literally looks right out to the football field. And, you know, it's just a reminder for those kids every day as they come in, hey, Friday night we're going to get after it. And I think that it's, you know, it, it's it's awesome from that standpoint to hear Mac also com- or you know comment on the fact, hey, we give our guys July, you know, lake time. Go spend time with the lake. Go spend time with your family. But if you're home... You better be in here working out type of thing. And so what I wanted to hear from you kind of thing is how how much easier is it to scale back and evolve as a coach um, after you win? You know, he won that state title back in 2015. Do you think that that's, that helps him being able to go, you know, hey, we'll take it easy in July. We won't bang as much type of thing. We'll scale it back for Border League. You know, we'll start on August 21st. And that's how we'll approach our season every year. Does it get easier because of the fact that they had that success? I think if you if you know much about coaching, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, volleyball, whatever, most championship teams and coaches, it's actually the opposite. You usually come back the next year much harder on your team. The expectations have now been raised even higher. Um, So I would say that's not generally, I don't think it's easier. I do think that there's some some interesting factors at play here, not just at prep, by the way. I think this is true in in every school from from what I've been educated in since I haven't coached for a little while. Numbers are down. Max said that. Uh, well, when the numbers go down, you better adapt. <laughs> um, otherwise, you're going to go out there with 23 kids. <laughs> um, so, and you don't want to do that. So, again, that's credit to him and his staff. In fact, that's credit to the whole coaching staff outside of football as well. Uh, Coach McIntyre, for instance, at the basketball program. Uh, that <clears throat> traditionally, basketball, which plays in the summer leagues has always butted heads with football. Not just at prep, at every, every school I've ever coached at. That was a constant battle between the, the, uh, the two programs. <clears throat> and every summer, 
you would go into that camp thinking, hey, we got it, we got it nailed down. We got a good relationship. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. And I'd say within two weeks, you got someone cussing out the other coach and banging their desk and this kid isn't here and we need him for the passing league or we need him for practice and the basketball coaches, you know, we can't get our team chemistry going because this kid's a football. and all. So the fact that they've actually been able to do that is a big thing. But again, I, I think there's several factors. One is when numbers are down and you have kind of the... Uh, kind of the the thought process going on right now about the safety of football which is which is also leading into the numbers being down we know that youth football doesn't have the same numbers it used to all I think when you combine all those things you better adapt you know you better adapt and then get good at it um, so they, they appear to have done that uh, we'll see yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I look forward to this season just for the fact of being able to follow them from afar, you know, from what I could off of SWX. Which well, is... and he, he also brought up the thing about uh, multi-sport, you know, athletes. Um, I think at a place like Prep, they can wear that as a badge. Other schools, they still struggle with that. Um, but that's an, that's an old school mentality. But I will say this. Um, again, bringing that AAU type mentality. Well, if you're going to be a basketball player and you're going to make it, you got to play basketball 365. And this gets drilled into our kids early on. And so by the time they hit high school, it's like, hey, you want to play football? Basketball kids, typically receivers, that kind of thing. Oh, no, I got to play basketball. Well, no, you can do both. Well, no, I can't do that because that'll jeopardize my basketball career because I'm going to be the one out of, you know, 350,000 that's going to make the NBA and or whatever. And then you're playing in Lithuania. Yeah. So um, I do think it's tough, but I think, that, I think that having won a championship and coming back and being able to adapt to those things, I think it's really more a matter of survival. And being able again to put the the what's in the best interest of my program ahead of what I think he even referred to that that I would have thought if a kid went to a baseball or a basketball game he was putting them ahead of my program and he's come to find out no they just like playing baseball too and in a kid's mind at prep anyway he can do both that seems to be supported by all the staffing there and that's. That's great, because I, I personally believe multi-sport kids make better athletes, um, and you don't have the burnout and the repetitive injury, that kind of thing. So, And I think you talked about it. I mean, when you talked about the fact that Mac has had stability from the standpoint of his coaching staff, when he started back when I was in my junior year, I think it was you know 2010, right in that range, or I think it was you know 2009. He was kind of at the forefront of a lot of new wave of coaches coming through prep. And what I think has been really helpful to him is for the fact that he was established, he was the guy, and he saw all the other coaches come through. You know, he saw the new wrestling coach come through and establish himself. He saw McIntyre establish himself. You know, he had all of those guys that would be competitive sports to football kind of come in and 
they were able to kind of rise up together and have a similar philosophy. So I think that now it's on me. I'm getting the message. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a real advantage in which he had to, you know, model everything and kind of be coherent with all other coaches. Yeah, and, and the last thing I would say is um, prep has a very strong alumni. Um, that's, that's huge. Uh, that's evident in their golf tournament. Uh, you know, the, their booster support. Um, and, you know, just the, again, that, that prep community uh, is very strong. And that, that's a big thing that um, I think helps the program. And it's also a very difficult thing as a coach. You're always walking a fine line between um, keeping your support happy and sometimes it, that's at odds with what you think is best for the team. But I think Coach McKenna, being around as long as he has, particularly at prep, I think he, I think he was on the championship team that won in 82 or 83 uh, in, in we, the Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, it's so some connection So he bleeds blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think he has a very good grasp and appreciation for being able to, to do that balancing act. And so because of that, you, now you have a very strong alumni and, and booster support, which is important. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we just talked about the the new advancements to their athletic wing and all of that. I mean, that's all alumni. You know, when you walk out to um, a game during the season for prep, you know, they could be playing Rogers, who typically doesn't draw a big attendance um, from most schools. I mean, you look and it's always packed at prep games on Friday nights. Yep. So I, I'm looking forward to this year. I think uh, that that's going to be uh, an interesting uh, season. And, um, you know, it starts in about a month. And I'm looking forward to following the team and, and continuing on with the uh, our podcasts and looking at the games and that kind of thing. So it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting you out to a game. You've been an SWX guy for way too many years <laughs> since you stopped coaching at prep. So getting you actually to a game will be nice to experience that that uh, that hostile crowd at, at Bullpup Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, thank you for joining for, uh, joining me today, and I uh, look to continue this and. Uh, well, you can look for our next podcast. We're going to look to roll things out uh, a little more regularly as uh, camp starts in August. Looks like it's August 21st in which they're going to roll um, their two days out. And then uh, we'll start weekly podcasts and also podcasts leading up to the game um, that we'll be able to have a chance to sit down with some different coaches and maybe some players too. Do they still do two-a-days? Now, uh, Mac did tell me he said that two days look a little bit different. Uh, but yes, yeah, I, think it's just, sti- I think it's one a day, but it's for eight hours. <laughs> when, when we were going over the schedule, and he goes, well, we meet at 12, and then we go all the way to 8 o'clock. And I go, I think that's eight hours, Coach. And he goes, yep. So, um, yeah, no, it's just that extended period of time with a little bit of break, I guess, for a couple days. Well, there are some advantages to that. One is you make sure your kids are properly fed, hydrated, um, and, of course, it helps build with a sense of community. But... Um, that's a lot different than when I started coaching, and it was literally two-a-days, you know, with a lot of hitting and that kind of thing in the morning. Go home, have something to eat, collapse, come back at 5 o'clock and do it all over again. But uh, change in times, Nate, change in times. <laughs>
I want to thank our guests for joining us today. We had Dave McKenna at the top of the hour and Scott Alford joining us after that. Uh, pleasure to be a part of this Pup Sports Podcast. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you again real soon.